My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. a tragic attack on the soul of one whose soul is all why ask man that rap race race gets every single one of us short trim fat or tall or does it or does it or does it or does it united we stab as the whole world is wounded divided we assemble into chords of disarray and disharmony like a world with a stage and no drum and no one to march on and on. Take back your brightest, your best, your bold. That same song and dance has grown old. The show's nearly over and the music tapped out. Where's the next wave to wash this all away? Shout to the sailor who lands us to new shore, faced with the fear that they never were sure. Today's guests are Sean, Chris, and Joel Thomas, lyricists of their own respective musical talents and the two minds behind the podcast Kill the Mockingbird. I'm Mystic Mark. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast and enjoy this episode with Sean, Chris, and Joel Thomas. hit to 201 after it happened right you know going Mm -hmm. into 2020 and everything was happening and people were you know people the people that woke up or were aware of what was going on um pointed to 201 hey this is what's going on whatever you kind of think maybe this last one is for show to kind of do what mark said to feed that energy almost have you looking one way because we're already so heightened and aware 
of what happened with the last one. So now they're seeing 2025 and then you've got way more people, you know, quote unquote, awake at this point that see what's going on. You know, in my thoughts, maybe it's not to even signal necessary 2025. I think that's maybe even the easy way to look at it. It could be that this is a setup to have us looking at this and say, oh, see, here they go again. Still, we're the working class for 99% of us, whether you're doing a podcast or whether you're an entrepreneur, you're at a warehouse, you're a taxi driver, we could, the list goes on. We're all the working class and we need to stop dividing amongst each other. We're fighting each other for people that don't know our names, that do not care about us just so that they can. And I'm not saying that they're all nefarious. Like a lot of them have their own personal benefits that they want to get out of it. Stop playing the game. Let's get out of the game and let's do our own thing. We don't have to run into the woods because, come on, let's face it. A lot of us, when I make it, I'm not going to make it, man. I'm not going to make it in the woods, man. I'm going to be cold. I'm going to want heat. I'm going to want air conditioning in the summertime. And why the hell do we have all this technology if we're just going to let it waste? Let's stop playing the game and start talking amongst each other and not get offended so much. Don't expect everybody to agree. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are. Welcome back to the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. And with me today are two gentlemen who once joined me on a past excursion into podcasting. Their podcast is called Kill the Mockingbird. They are Joel and Sean joining me here for a conversation about, well, we don't quite know yet, but we're we're all uh, seasoned podcasters. So We'll figure it out. I have some notes. First and foremost, how are you guys doing today? Welcome to the show. It's long overdue. We got our, our mutual friend, Tony Merkel, who's assured me that you guys are, are fantastic dudes and, and deserve to be on the show. And I agree. So here we are. How, how are you doing today? Doing great. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I love Tony, man. He's a good dude. Yeah, man. We, uh, we're glad we're on the show. And you know, uh, speaking of Tony, we're part of the Merkel Media family now. So uh, you can actually find us on MerkelMedia.com as well. So it's just kind of a natural progression of things because I was already doing everything else with, with Merkel Media as far as music and uh, hunting cryptids and all that. So, you know, he and I were having a conversation on the phone and he said, look, you know, what do you think about bringing kill the mockingbirds underneath Merkel media? And I said, yeah, it's just the natural progression I thought. And Sean completely agreed. And we've, you know, Sean's met Tony several times and I've, you know, been working with Tony for two years now. So I all worked out for all parties involved. And it was mutually beneficial at the same time. Yeah, that's wonderful, man. Tony's a great dude. And I think, uh, that is a natural fit. It's a, a progression as you guys make your way into this podcasting sphere, so to speak, so to speak, or some people want to call it a, a, a disc or a flat plate. I don't know where you guys stand. <laughs> that, but, uh, <laughs> tell us about your show. Oh, there he is. Awesome. Okay. Now, finally. No worries. <laughs> so tell us about Kill the Mockingbirds. How did this come to fruition because i know you both are musicians and i imagine that the music came first so how did you how did you guys get the idea to start kill the mockingbirds and and or kill the mockingbird and and what uh what was the sort of origin story there well basically uh in 2020 like uh i decided like you know everybody was uh very polarized uh couldn't get a lot of information out and uh i had been thinking about doing a podcast just didn't know what I wanted to do it on. And 
Uh, a show that really influenced me that I got into was No Agenda. I like No Agenda a lot. Uh, so that kind of got me on that grasp. And I started like kind of just deciphering the news myself and kind of giving my intake and had a couple different co-hosts for a while. Like didn't know how I was going to do it. You know, just was like, hey, keep fake it till you make it kind of thing and just kept going it. And then about like eight, nine months ago, uh, we solidified it with Joel. But I had Joel on my podcast as a guest a couple of times. And then uh, I was really looking for a co-host. And I was like, hey, what do you think, man? Like, uh, let's mash this out. And then uh, now we just hit the floor running. <laughs> yeah for sure it was uh it was just natural fit and honestly it did you know kill the mockingbird started you know before me but as far as the music piece that, that did bring us together because you know i reached out to him and actually just shot him uh one of my albums and i said hey check this out what do you think he's like man i love it he's like you want to come on the show and we can talk and we actually our first episode we did was over the netflix show inside job so we we pounded out the whole season and we talked about it live and and we did a few shows but sean and i ended up being really cool just outside of podcasting too you know we call each other talk and and i remember sean saying hey man you know i wanted to ask this a couple months ago but you know i didn't know if you'd be cool with it and the funny thing was i was looking to get into podcasting and, you know tony had been you know definitely pushing me towards that cuz i'd been on his show a couple times and i'd been on several shows at that point so i was very comfortable being on the mic and podcasting cuz i'd kind of done the rounds for about a year and uh i told him yeah man i'm ready to go I said, you know, if we do it, we're going to do it right, you know, because, you know, at the same time, we love doing it, but it's 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 a business and it's and it's something that we're actively pursuing um, just as much as you as you know yourself, Mark. So, you know, we take it very seriously and, you know, we we look to keep growing with it, too. And, you know, he and I are a little different, you know, as far as how we come across with things. Um, we try to critically think as much as possible. You know, if it ends up going against the grain, that's fine. If it doesn't, that's fine, too. I think that we just try to, especially when something happens in the news that's polarizing, we try to sit back for a week or two and kind of just let things kind of fester and see where it's going. Because it tends to be a lot of the times, and we were just on Tony's show a couple of weeks ago, on his members only talking about Kanye, it tends to be that he and I, Sean and I tend to think a little different than most people do, even if it's, you know, uh, one way or the other, uh, it, you know, we just like to try to see things from a different angle. And that's why we get along so well on the show. And we just have a blast with it. And honestly, as much as Sean and I think like about things, we very much differ on a lot of things too. So you'll hear it on the show. And I think that's good for people to hear. You don't want to create an echo chamber. And that's something that he and I don't want to do is create an echo chamber for anybody. Uh, we want to actually critically think whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. It's, it's definitely not common. Unfortunately, uh, in this realm, we have a lot of conspiracy stuff that gets out there. That's like, you know, oh, what does this really amount to? But yeah, I appreciate that. And I, myself, you know, anytime I'm around, uh, television, if it's playing the news, I prefer the term blaring the news. Uh, <laughs> I usually get fired up and, and want to say some things and, I'm glad that the format of my show doesn't really allow for that because I probably would uh, have a much angrier <laughs> demeanor on my show if I did. So um, I, it go, I, you know, my heart goes out to you doing this because it's a way of processing it. You know, I think a lot of people have trouble processing it, and when they can hear your perspectives, uh, it, it gives them 
A, the thought, okay, I'm not alone if they're like us and they, they see through it. And B, it gives them the, the comic relief of like, you know, let's laugh and joke and, and really get to the bottom of this instead of, uh, you know, what we have in the mainstream media, which is just a facetious sort of fake, you know, passing on of what the news gives us. I mean, I don't know what your podcast tastes are like, but if you listen to some of these comedy podcasts, I have to like throw my phone across the room sometimes when I hear <laughs> some of these guys takes on the news I'm like wow you're really as funny as you are you're really brainwashed you know not you guys but these comics I'm referring yeah. to you know and I think that that it's about time that we bring more of this to this topic this field so to speak you know some levity we we have you know many shows that, that talk about the darker aspects of it. And I noticed a recent episode, you guys sort of uh, warned the listeners. You say, you know, uh, you might need to change your shorts on this one. You're going after <laughs> the, the truth community. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, well, let's get it out of the way right off the bat. Like you guys are somewhat from the outside. Some people would say you're in the truth community yourselves, but do you take umbrage with that? Do you not like the term truther? Do you think there's some attachments to that? I mean, what are your thoughts on the truth community in general these days? Well, first, I would say with like alt media, right? Like how you're saying, with, I, I think there's a lot of fear mongering that goes around, right? Like even in the alternative media, like everybody's that, everybody's on fire. And to me, I look at everything as let's laugh. Like, hey, no matter what crazy topic I talk about afterwards, I go hang out with my friends and my family and have a good time. I don't let it consume my life to where I'm like, oh my god, let's stay in the basement. Everything's so, like, you know what I mean? Like, let's go and have fun. Let's crack jokes. And, and the problem is, there's a lot of truth in the truther community, which I'm not necessarily have a problem with the word truther. It's just weird to me because like when I was growing up, we didn't say truther or red pill. It was just like, hey, man, you see this crazy documentary, man. Woo! And they, Or, hey, you heard this book? You know, it was wild. Like it was fun. And then it just became this cult thing of like now, oh, I only believe in flat earth. So if you don't believe in everything I believe, get out. And I'm like, dude, what? I'm down to entertain those thoughts. But you're saying you absolutely know you figured it out. That's where I have a problem with stuff. And and I think you got to get pushed back. And to me, if you're doing that, it's no different than what you're calling other people's sheep. It's the same thing. You're just following a different talking head. You're not critically thinking. You're just thinking like you heard that you heard uh, Flatter of Dave say something and you're regurgitating the same thing that he said. Or you heard me say it or you heard Alex Jones say it. It's the same thing if it's Sean Hannity or Rachel Maddow or, you know, fill in the blank. Mm. If you're only listening to a certain source and taking all their material, that, that's where I have a, a little stance against it. Because I'm like, well, then we're not critically thinking. I thought we we're here to critically think. Right. It's OK to be wrong. It's OK to push different ideas. But we can't expect everybody to think exactly alike. And I, I don't want to. Like, so I'm going to always push back against that. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Joel, your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's where Sean and I get along really well. And I, I like what you said, the levity part of it. We're always making jokes, whether I'm trolling online or whatever. I think that this community is sorely lacking in that. And I think that the community needs to look back at themselves sometimes and laugh because it's it it gets so crazy that people can't reel it in. And like Sean said, hang out with your family and enjoy the ones that you love and connect with people on a scale that, for instance, I'm not going to walk up to some dude on the street and say, hey, man, you know, the world's controlled by lizard people and 
you know, the Illuminati's out to get us all, especially if it's just some random guy. That's not the way to like open somebody's mind, you know, especially if they are, you know, for lack of a better term, asleep. You know, the best thing to do is I'd call planting seeds. Drop a seed that maybe they can understand something. You know, something Sean says all the time, there's a difference between conspiracies and conspiracy theories. Conspiracies have actually happened. Those are those are events that are proven. You know, Operation Mockingbird, Operation Paperclip. Some of these things are actually proven. You can show somebody things uh, from a base level sometimes. When you're talking about money and power, people tend to understand you better than when you start going down the occult roads that sometimes Sean and I go down with a lot of these topics. Um, and even the occult stuff, you know, there's humor to be found in everything. You know, to me, I've found that I've connected more with people coming from a humorous standpoint than I have anything else where people ask questions now because I made a joke about it. Or sometimes, oddly enough, people wake up to the fact of the humor that I'm bringing to a certain topic. And they're like, man, you know what? I'm thinking this way. That's probably not, I should probably get out of this echo chamber. And, and shot and I get a lot of pushback from people online and things like that. You know, I'd say the majority of it's positive, but we do. And the only pushback that we get really is we don't create a create echo chambers for one thought. You know, I'm going to come from different angles. If I'm coming at Joe Biden, I'm probably coming at Trump just as hard. I don't create something where I'm just in one one lane, because to me, I don't think you're critically thinking then. And listen, we're not always right. I'm not sitting here saying that I am. I don't think that I am all the time. I'm just putting out theories most of the time or talking about somebody else's theory, trying to find the truth. And I think if we're going to use the word truth or community, I think collectively that's what we should be doing. We shouldn't be shunning people's ideas because they're not like ours. You know, like Sean said, I entertain flat earth. Cool, man. If somebody comes to me with some great concepts, then I'm like, hey, he made some sense there. I'm not saying that it's not true. I've never been to Antarctica and I've never touched the firmament. So I can't tell, tell you if you're completely wrong or not, you know, I have my way of thinking about things because of things I've looked into. But at the end of the day, I think that that's what we should be trying to do is find the truth and not attacking each other. I think it's just stupid when we do that. Agreed. Yeah, no, agreed. And I think, you know, that could be the trouble sometimes with uh, the echo chambers and inviting, you know, a guest that maybe represents one of those echo chambers, whether they intend to or not, uh, onto your show, because then you end up with these like trolls that, uh, you know, terrorize <laughs> yeah. your other audience members. And <laughs> there's some fun in watching it, but it's also kind of distressing when people are like, oh, what are you going to do about this? Your telegram community is overrun with flat earthers. <laughs> and as the admin for the tinfoil hat telegram, I'll tell you, I have no sympathy for uh, the people who go in there and argue about flat earth. It's just, it's, it's incredibly, it's incredibly pronounced. But anyways, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I've had, I've had a few interesting conversations about that topic from both angles and it is interesting how it's become one of these like weaponized terms you know in a certain way there's a population of people who recognize conspiracy and equate it with flat earth and that could be detrimental to a certain extent i mean not saying you know anything about flat earth or not but to the average person they hear that and they're immediately like 
boom, 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 red flag. This is a crazy person. And again, yeah. you know, regardless of whether the flat earthers are onto something, we have to recognize like maybe there's a, a cooler way to talk about these things, you know, and maybe there's a, a more, you know, respectful angle to come across from. So I really appreciate having guys like you on because it's 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 cool to, you know, come to the table with a even set of you know hands right where we're not one of us isn't like imposing some truth (laughs) over one another like no trust me it's gotta be this a b and c (laughs) like this you know and if we if we you know refer to that logic then we're no better than the people that are telling us you know not to look into certain things like 9-11 and all, all the other important really important conspiracy theories and you know you mentioned the lizard person thing I was just having a conversation with another guest who mentioned coming across David Icke's work and thinking, oh, reptilian, that's a clever way of not getting killed on David Icke's part because he, you know, averts the serious nature of what he's researching by kind of giving you a, a sort of fantastical conclusion. But I guess my question to you guys is, how fantastical do you think reptilians really are? Because when he said that to me, a part of me agreed with him, but another part of me felt like, well, you have, I have heard enough stories about people encountering reptilians that I don't, you know, maybe he hasn't, but I certainly have. What do you, where do you guys stand? Do you think there's some veracity to reptilians having some sort of sway over humanity or, or at the very least being like cryptids that exist in swamps somewhere or something, or maybe underground? I think there's a possibility for all of it. There's definitely a possibility because there is a lot of phenomena phenomenons that we can't account for. Right. But I, I don't know. I don't know about the whole control over humanity. I give it like, I would say 50%. I always give everything that got a 50% mark. I start off at that gauge, but I don't think that it's as prevalent as people think. Um, I think Joel thinks a little bit different. Than me. <laughs> I'm all in. I'm all in, man. I'm I'm all in with Nephilim. I'm all in with reptilians. I'm all in with all that. But again, I could be wrong, right? right. So sure. at the end of the day, um, I love that stuff. Now, as far as them controlling humanity, I don't know if that's necessarily the the right way to go about it because a lot of people think these 13 bloodlines have to do with reptilians, right? I don't think that's what it is. You know, my my in my digging. And who I followed, uh, the 13 bloodlines represent something else. They represent uh, the Nephilim bloodlines. So to me, these are it. Let me put it this way for people that don't know. The Nephilim are said to be the the mating of fallen angels and humankind, which created these giants that renowned, you know, the men of renown, right in the Bible. Well, where I want to go to it is this, these bloodlines survive, not necessarily as like giants, but they survived in humankind. Now, why would elites feel like that they're better than everyone else if they literally had what they would call the blood of the gods? So in that case, I could see how a group of people outside of money and power would feel like they're better than everybody else. And let me go a step further. Let's just say that Nephilim don't exist and this didn't happen they believe that it did so if they have in their in their bloodlines in their you know uh, wealth and power throughout history believe that they have the bloodlines of the gods then they would do a whole lot to protect that and so i think in that case um 
that's more where I go with the bloodlines. As far as reptilians go, I'm more of a reptilians are workers. If they exist, they're more of the workers that move and shake for these guys. Uh, shapeshifters, probably so if we're going that route, because most people that have seen reptilians, they've done some sort of shapeshifting. Um, people I've talked to that have seen them said, you know, the eye thing, right? The eyes change, they flicker. Uh, that's normally what you hear from stories of people. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a huge possibility that reptilians exist. I don't know to what extent. I mean, I you know, that's up for debate. You know, maybe they are in every single part of, uh, you know, politics and world power. You know, I don't know that. And now I would think probably not. I'm, I'm with I'm with Sean 50 50 on that. Who knows? But again, like Sean said, I'm, I'm willing to go a lot crazier than him. But that's what <laughs> makes the show so much fun. <laughs> I'm with that. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, on the point of the black nobility, I recently uh, came across a guy uh, Sam actually sent him my way. I uh, said, book this guy on the show immediately. Uh, White Lotus of Light, shout out to him. He's on YouTube. And he showed me this, uh, well, he showed everybody this meme that says the 13 families you think rule the world and then the 13 families who actually rule the world. Have you guys mm -hmm. seen this list before? Uh, it's very interesting. You got Names like the Borgia, the Breakspear, the Sumagilia, Orsini, Conti, Chigi, Colonia, Farnese, Medici. So, you know, definitely recognize a few of those, but for the most part, they're all pretty uh, unknown to the average person and, and me, I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, what do you guys think about this? Do you think it goes back to Rome and the Vatican? It, you think these families have maybe a pact with the reptilians somehow or whoever's in control. Like, I mean, I got a uh, synarchy. Uh, Amy uh, says what the fuck's book. Like that's like, I liked her, man. I thought she has a good take on the black nobility a lot. She had a lot of good information on that. Yeah. I think it's more of power. Like in my opinion, through time, you have to find different ways. We have to shift through what's a uh, folktale and what's actually, because I think a lot of things are put out there so people can look, uh, bigger than they are more more powerful than they are so they can hold on to that or special right like that's why people are they, they said that they were from the blood of like you know uh, of gods or we're from the blood line of of jesus or we're from you know what i mean like it's been through time that they've used these to hold on to these positions because i think that's what one of the worst parts about humanity is it's it's it seems to be difficult for anybody to get in positions of power and you could see that on a low level like at a warehouse i have worked at warehouses where the guy that's on the working on the shipping and receiving with you becomes a manager and now he's a different person right he, he, he he's the same person but he tries to flex now there's a small percentage i believe of humans that can you know coexist with power and you know try to like help and do good things but i think it's also a big task when you're in charge of millions of people or you know what i mean or billions so i just think that there are the people that have had all the money that have uh you know lasted through time and they do have influence because the richest people that we talk about when they talk about bill gates and elon musk we all know that those are not the people that have the fortunes because they don't have all the land. I know there's a big thing about Gates and he's, you know, been buying up a lot of the farmland. But think about like the royal family in uh, England, you know, the the they have all that land and gold mines and and they're not just one. You know, the Saudi Arabian prince, you know, all these kings and stuff. I just think they leave everything low pro. And I feel that governments were developed 
so that they can manipulate them. And I don't think it's something that everybody's in on where they are like, yeah, we know all the, they just let it naturally form because it's easier if you let it naturally form and let people think they're in charge. And then you change it with your power and your influence that you're, you let this system be created and you corrupt it with your power and your influence by pushing things that you want to done. And that's why we have all these think tanks and, and so on and so forth, which gets people to do things that they want you to do or that, they think is best for you. Cause if you tell people, Hey, we're going to go on a social credit score. You're going to do this. Everybody's going to be mad and revolt. But the best way to do it is like, make it seem like it's their own idea. Then it's your idea. And you're like, you know what? Then you're reinforcing it to others. Now, may, not everybody might be on board, but once you're at that 60% threshold, you, you got it locked. And, and I think in China is a perfect example. That's why it works over there. They didn't force them to go into a social credit score. They like made it, they manipulated them into thinking this is what they want. And I think that's what societies are run on in general. We push, we put ourselves into the uh, uh, the boiling pot of crabs. You know what I mean? We're, we willingly jump in because we think, oh, this is going to save us. And then we're in there and we're like, man, we should have done that. But then it's, you know, then the other crabs are pulling you down. <laughs> mm, mm, yeah. That mob mentality. Yeah, yep. for sure. It definitely feels like, uh, you know, they lay the trap and then let us walk into it. That's for sure. I think that's uh, that's evident. Now, you look at a guy like Elon Musk, and he certainly doesn't seem like uh, he's prepared to be put out there as like this celebrity. I mean, he's so awkward. It sort yeah. of feels like, uh, you know, circumstantial, you know, with these tech guys kind of made it to the forefront, but they don't seem to be holding the reins of power they're just merely taking advantage of the fact that their you know particular nerdum is in vogue right now for the the technocrats right i mean you saw his dave Chappelle uh thing where he said i'm rick bitch <laughs> and it's like yeah. you know, he doesn't even he has probably never even watched the Chappelle show he someone just whispered that in his ear as he's going up to the stage like what do i say <laughs> you know and he messed it <laughs> i up. think he has writers though to be honest i've i feel yeah. like he's rich enough and yet man some of his mm-hmm. twitter is very savvy like and when you hear him talk, it's just, I mean, maybe he doesn't, but he's got to have some people on, oh, no. on staff. <laughs> yeah, he certainly has a PR. And, and yeah, I mean, take it from me. I know like someone like Sam, who's barely a celebrity, like he, he has people that work his social media. So if that's happening with him, you know, obviously it's happening with someone like him. It's, it's kind of interesting to, to see that. Like a lot of these celebrities, you know, they're not even, they're not even vacating their social media accounts. It's like this, like like, you know, bot behind them that's like, yeah. you know, taking that as a job. I take it from me. I was one of those bots for a few months. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, the way that we've been pushed into this equation where, oh, we're at the peak of ingenuity and everything we have is a technological marvel. It's a miracle, you know. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Looking into history and whatnot you know a lot of people have been suggesting oh well in tartaria in ancient times they had free energy and all this stuff and you know they're suggesting maybe we've gone backwards instead what do, what do you think about that is there any validity have you seen you know anything about that in your research yeah i go a little step further i'm not a big tartaria guy so mm-hmm. like for me I think it's kind of one of those psyops, kind of like flat earth, in my opinion. It just seems like it took 
win too fast, too quick, and then everybody jumped on board. And if everybody's jumping on board with something, I kind of lean back and I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not saying there's not any validity to it. I'm just saying that it just seemed like, you know, Flat Earth really hit hard, like the early 2000s and really kind of took off over the last 20 years and it's so polarizing and i think tartaria is the same way i think tartaria is becoming that where people are like this is it the mud floods this happened and now i do think that they're right in the sense of i do think that we did have a technological age that was probably greater than it was now now me being a Christian and thinking the way I do, I think it happened before the flood. I think like Atlantis existed. I think a lot of these uh, technological cities existed um, before the flood. So that's just, that's just my belief system on it. But yes, in answering your question, I do think that we have gone backwards in a sense, but they kind of want to make us feel like that we're so far ahead, but they're using tech in a way that's so controlling though. It's, it's not, tech that's helping us per se it seems on the surface that it is but i mean if you think about electric cars now they're getting to the point where if they want to they could shut off your car if you drive too much i mean these are real things that they're 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 presenting to us and like sean said we're willingly taking it because the way they're giving it to us oh no this is to help you this is good for you and before you know it you're all moving this one direction And then you wake up one day and like, man, I can't go anywhere. I mean, you know, right now over in the UK, they are making what they call 15 minute cities. These cities are going to be able, you can move by bike or, or your legs in 15 minutes. And to get out of the city, your car will be dinged by some sort of device as you leave. Now your social credit score will go up the more you stay in the city and you don't drive your car. So they're going to try to pack you into these, what they call 15 minute city, 15 minute cities. And people can look this up. This is nothing that's you got to dig hard to find. They're actually interworking it. Now they've, they, they passed it in a few small cities over in the UK now uh, as a bill. So these are happening and it's slowly happening across the globe and people just aren't paying attention to it because they're just sliding in just a little bit here and there and making us feel like it's good for us when really they're packing us in like pack rats. And my question is too, why are they packing us in like pack rats? And to go to, you know, people that believe this, as far as energy goes, are they harvesting people's energy that they're packing into these places? Is it some sort of loose system or whatever you want to call what that energy is? Are they feeding? Think about it. If you're trapped in a place, your, your energy is probably not going to be too great, right? So if they're feeding off of this energy or if they've got enough people in a small space, it's a possibility. I mean, it's just, you know, something I was thinking about when I saw these 15 minute CDs pop up a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, man, this is kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly is something that's, uh, you know, to the, the average city goer, they think, oh, wow, I can get to everywhere I need to be in less than 15 minutes. I don't have to ever, you know, sit in traffic or go all the way across town. And you think about like the type of person that would accept that, you know, it's very, very few, I think. And then you have that like income gap where the people who are stuck in the 15 minute cities are the people who are like working, you know, low income jobs and, and probably living in low income 
housing and then you have the ultra rich who you know they could just go from any 15 minute site wherever they want it's not going to affect their social credit score because they're freaking you know their social credit (laughs) score is padded they got money right so right I, i think that's really what we're seeing is this sort of like uh caste system being technologically employed you know they 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 can't use physical chains so they're using these digital chains you know obviously the blockchain you know has something to it in a way and even 15 minute cities one plus five equals six you know i'm sure the numerology gematria people are gonna take that and run with it but uh it's certainly seems like we're heading to that brave new world that they foretold like only what a hundred years ago it seems like they predicted a lot of this stuff in in these different uh what they called at the time science fiction (laughs) you know it's now becoming science fact and uh and yeah it makes you question you know who these villains really are you guys mentioned that also in your recent one of your recent episodes have you pinned any of these villains? I mean, we mentioned Elon Musk, but are there any other like real villains out there that you should point out to people who who are interested in in knowing? Well, I'm sure everybody knows Klaus Schwab, man. That's my favorite <laughs> villain. Mm. I mean, because he's like the you're like, man, this is a James Bond movie. Like when you see him, you're like, man, it, he fits the role. Like I I got to give him that, man. He's a perfect villain, man. I'm like, mm. man, thank you so much. I, I like those people that come out. I just really appreciate them because they give you so much easy material. You're like, look at this guy, man. It's so easy to make fun of this guy. Like, mm. it's very fun. Um, there, I think mostly people not, don't always have to look for villains. And, and when you were talking about Brave New World, right? Th- this has been a plan for a long time. There's technocracy has been around since the 1900s. Technocracy, they've wanted to implement this. A lot of people, they thought this would be the way, but the tech, the technology didn't match what they the plan at the time. So they've slow like now that it's sped up, that it, technocracy is all about data, controlling people by data and making it a data economy. And this is something that's been want people want to uh, have wanted to do this for a long time. You could see old magazines where they were talking about technocracy and, and what it is. And China kind of is like a broadly. I think a lot of people use China as a boogeyman though, but. I think China is broadly kind of what the technocrats want. It's where you control with data. And that's what the social credit score to me is. Mm. I think that there's tons of villains, but we should really just like really, really look to ourselves, bettering ourselves. I think the happier we are, this is just my opinion, but the happier we we are and the more positive energy we put out there, then we win. It's when we start going like, oh, man, Klaus Schwab's going to get me. Bill Gates is going to kill me with the vax. And like we get all these like fear thoughts. And I feel like that's where they win. And I'm like, no, man, you're not going to let it's not going to work on me. I'm going to be like one of the last. I'll go to a 45 minute city. I mean, 15 minutes is a little too much. 45 minutes. At least I could go because could you imagine the comedy scene in a 15 minute city? You're like, oh, my. If they suck. You're going to have to see the same. And if they don't improve, because there's some people that never improve Mm. music and in comedy. So you're going to have to see these crappy acts for like the rest of your life i can't do that well that's why they're gonna (laughs) listen sean that's why they're gonna sell you on the virtual reality you know a virtual reality comedian is gonna step onto his stage whatever 15 minute city he's trapped in and he'll be holographically projected into your 15 minute prison so yeah i I hear you (laughs) hey mark yeah i want to tell you you brought up uh out huxley's book uh Mm -hmm. brave new world right Mm -hmm. so if you know anything right now, they're 
they're already releasing info, which they kind of been trickling out for the past two years about how they can basically build your baby in a tube. You know, you can you can create the perfect baby for you. And it really made me think of that book because that's what they do in that book. They they have this different cast system. And they even talk about in the book how they mix a little bit of this, mix a little bit of this. This keeps these people dumber. So they're going to be your janitors. They're going to be your 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 uh, you know low level workers. But then you mix a little bit of this, and then they're just a little bit higher. Then mix a little bit of this, they're a little higher. And for you know, then you kind of got a more of an elitist cast system of people that build think tanks. And it's kind of it's moving that way right now. Just like you said, it's, it's so crazy that we're even entertaining the fact that they could build a baby for you. And of course they're making it seem so good too. Cause like, this is for women that can't have children anymore. And this is for, for the people that, you know, uh, uh, have lost children. And you're like, man, it's a twist that they always do, but that's such a small percentage of humanity. What's your real purpose mm. in rolling out, all of these children, you know, Bro, I thought, Joel, let me I correct thought, you real quick. You said janitor, it's custodian. So just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I got the pronouns wrong. Sorry. <laughs> well, you know, I think they're paving the way for, you know, the next like monkey pox type thing. And then next mm. thing you know, all oh, curiously, right after this rolls out, women can't have safe births because of the new pandemic, you know, whatever that disease is. And, you know, I'm sure they're already working on it at Fort Diedrich. But yeah, that's really crazy to think, you know, they're, I think they're tr- what that's that makes me think of is they're trying to commercialize aspects of uh creation in a way like you you think about that like oh you know parents are gonna be like well we paid an extra five thousand so that he'd be good at sports you know <laughs> or people who are really wealthy they're like you know oh well you know we got the ultra package we're gonna have a real you know prep school type and yeah i can already imagine like the the movie based on that i'm i'm sure it, it's it's out there in some sci-fi film but yeah that's that's really something on klaus schwab though i just want to point out he's a, a knight of the british order uh uh, St. Michael and St. George. And it's interesting that you, know, you brought up China too, because, you know, history students know China has had a lot of meddling uh, take place specifically from the British. So uh, yeah, I think these technocrats, you know, they all are kind of in cahoots. I don't want to blame Britain alone, but I think they've got a lot to do with it. And, you know, it's the same thing that they had back in medieval Europe with serfdoms just uh, technologically imposed now instead. And, and, you know, unfortunately, virtual reality isn't enticing enough yet, but I think it's going to get to that point for them where they're going to, you know, give people that option of like, well, you know, you can stay in this 15-minute city and have good social credit and be able to play all the fun virtual reality games and go to all the fun virtual reality hangout spots and you know, it's just going to be a, uh, cast system, you know, cause the ultra rich, they're going to be able to go into their own separate version of that and whatever else. But it, it is kind of, we're getting into like fantasy here cause it hasn't happened yet. Do you guys think ever that 
this type of stuff is fed to us in order to give energy to those projects and maybe like even provoke young people to be the next great thinker who then goes and makes one of those things possible. Like, you know, cause they often give us these things through fiction and make them look like they're benevolent and altruistic. And then some young naive genius goes and creates the the rat trap you know that we all fall our neck under right i mean that's kind of seems to be the arc of it so what what do you think about that the energy we add to these these types of things they really uh i think they do get the youth i think that's why we could see in the climate movement um that's huge in it they use a lot of the youth and they scare them uh with uh covid and all that they scare people into thinking this is the only way or we're all going to die. I think it's always this, uh, if you don't do this, you're just going to die. And they keep pushing the goalposts. Look at the climate through years. And I'm not saying, and I get mad when people trash stuff. I don't, I want to clean the air up. I want to clean the oceans up, but it never seems to be those things that could actually uh, help the environment are things that are, we want to do. It's always something that's against the working class. Hey, you can't drive your car. Like you said, I can fly around the world in my jet and that's okay, but you can't drive your car to work. You got to use public transportation. And that's what I think a lot will happen with COVID. You know, we had event 201 in 2019. And then just this past October, we had uh, the catastrophic contagion event, uh, which is very similar where they're talking about 2025, uh, another virus, Joel, you're still there, it seems. I think we lost Sean. Yeah, I guess he bounced out. Oh, there he um, is. He's back. No, no, I must have just froze or we, something. We lost you after the word virus in 2019. Oh, uh, uh, Event 201. Right. Uh, that happened, and now there's a new Event 201. It was called Catastrophic Contagion. Oh, it wow. just happened this October. It was the same bad actors, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Um John Hopkins University, uh, a couple other people, but the same people that were behind Event 201, and they're talking about a virus 2025 that is going to come out uh, similar, another respiratory virus, but this one's going to be way worse. Uh, you can go on, on and see the new, the fake news clipping, uh, uh, fake news uh, uh, show. You know, they, they have it all staged. Same exact playbook as Event 201. So I think it's going to be another thing. They're going to continuously push these viruses because it worked. It Let me ask very you this, well. though. Let me ask you this, though, Sean, something that popped into my mind the other day was people were so hit to 201 after it happened. Right. You know, going mm -hmm. into 2020 and everything was happening and people were, you know, people, the people that woke up or were aware of what was going on um, pointed to 201. Hey, this is what's going on, whatever. You kind of think maybe this last one is for show to kind of do what Mark said to feed that energy almost have you looking one way because we're already so heightened and aware of what happened with the last one. So now they're seeing 2025 and then you've got way more people, you know, quote unquote awake at this point that see what's going on. You know, in my thoughts, maybe it's not to even signal necessary 2025. I think that's maybe even the easy way to look at it. It could be that this is a, set up to have us looking at this and say, oh, see, here they go again. Here they go again. But while all the while there's something else completely different plan. Mm. Well, I would I would suggest that it has something to do with the 
elections, given the timing, you know, 2019 mm. to 2020. And then, of course, 2024 is the next election, right? So mm-hmm. uh, 2025 is the year when the president, the new president will become uh, the, you know, officially president, right? Because the next February, uh, they'll, they become inaugurated. And curiously enough, March was when we saw the last, you know, pandemic rollout. So it seems like they are playing into uh, you know, some sort of ritual using some sort of playbook or even like, you know, setting the table for something. And, and as people who like us try to remain as neutral as possible, you have to wonder if this is maybe like a setup to put Trump back in and get people like super fired up about him, not, you know, saying anything for or against Trump particularly, you know, but I do think that whoever has the reins of power they're not bothered by someone like trump as as anachronistic as he might have been as much as the media hated him you know i think he's playing it's it's been revealed now over some time that he seems to be playing into someone's hand and and it doesn't look like it's the you know unsung heroes that the q people want to tell us that it is it's not white hats so i mean really like no holds bars what do you guys think about that I mean, from everything you're seeing in the news what do you think 2024 has in store with the election and whatnot? Do you think Trump's really going to come back? Is he just kind of like walking in, a, in right now, kind of giving you know some press, maybe the potential for some books and, and all this crap that he's going to do to make money going into the rest of his life? Like, what, what do you think's going on with him? I mean, I'm going with my parlay. I'm going to keep saying it. I think it's going to be Trump, Kanye versus AOC and Gavin Newsom. That's my... <laughs> I mean, I've been wow. saying it for a long time. I just have a feeling and and I usually don't like to make predictions, but there's this I got this gut feeling that they're building up Kanye the same way they built up Trump right before he ran. They made him a real like bad guy. Like, you know, they turned they were like he was like, yeah, Obama wasn't born in the United States. And and then he kept going off on that. And then because before that, no one really thought of they just thought of him as the billionaire that makes money and says you're fired, you know, right. and they slowly but surely mold him into this like character of where pizza he, gate yeah pizza gate they mold him into all these things that he's this here he's a hero to one side and he's the ultimate enemy to the other side and they're doing the same thing with kanye and and in him kanye linking up with nick fuentes and a uh, milo oh man they didn't get start with that guy mm. uh like i just really see that the table set for a very, very polarizing election. Yeah. It's going to be like, if we thought 2016 was bad, if we thought 2020 was bad, it's going to be probably the most polarizing election. I think DeSantis has no part in it. I think they're going to play. And, and I think if they play into that, that's where this uh, uh, event is going to really come to fruition because then they're going to be like, because the one side already sees that Trump is the enemy. So they're going to be like, see, look, he wasn't prepared. He didn't get germ team six because, you know, that's what they want. This thing they talk about having germ teams where like like uh, the seals and they come in and they extract people and they, they you know, they get it locked down. They do all this stuff and they're going to be like, see, Trump didn't want to do that. He was out of the WHO. So you're going to have that mob against him. And I think that his people are going to try to find. I really think they're trying their hardest to get us to implode within ourselves, because I think this is we're not the most free because I mean, sh- I just got a speed, another speeding ticket and I wasn't even speeding. So it doesn't seem that free to me, but you know what I mean, but Been it's there. a lot freer than a lot of places because we have 
guns and we have the ability to still get people to group up and see eye to eye. But they've slowly been chipping that away because I remember the mid 2000s and the early 2000s when I was growing up, like, you know, like not even growing up, but after I got out of high school in 2000, I think 2001 or whatever, I was able to see people. We didn't ha- we didn't care. We weren't like, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Like, we didn't talk like that. We didn't care. It was, wasn't a big deal. It was just like, ah, yeah, that's kind of a dumb idea or that's a cool idea. And then we would just talk amongst each other. And then slowly but surely, it became this whole thing of like, man, if you're a Democrat, oh, you're a Republican. And, and, and it's like I woke up one day and the world was totally different. So I definitely think Trump is running and I think he's running with Kanye West. And it's going to be a wild ride, but it's going to be great for podcasting. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to jump in with Sean, too. I, I like the Trump yay card a lot as far as way it's looking. It's just the way they're building it up because Kanye is doing the exact same thing right now that they did with Trump. He's feeding into the conspiracy crowd. Well, they hard. did have they did have that curious like stint with mm. Trump too of like, you know, giving pardons to rappers and trying to like make him look. I mean, obviously they're trying to get like a, a black vote there in a yeah. way, but obviously that's what they're trying to do by getting Kanye on the ticket and Geez, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's what they've been planning the whole time. And and Kanye certainly seemed like he's gone through his own like MK Ultra sort of mm-hmm. experiences. So he'd be a good Manchurian candidate, so to speak. Certainly uh, more appealing than the uh, you know sock puppet Biden that they have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you guys see? Yeah. Did you guys see the picture that makes uh, I the the comment? I don't know if it's a meme or whatever, but the comment was, "Oh, look, it's Joe Biden, uh, but it's actually Chevy Chase." And they like compared like this <laughs> picture of Joe Biden and the way he's turned and the way he's smiling and with a face of Chevy Chase. And it looks a little bit like Chevy Chase. I mean, who knows? Maybe they have a stand-in for, you know, Biden and maybe he's actually dead and, and buried by now. What, what do you guys think? Have you, have you seen that? Have you heard of that? Could be. I'm, I'm very open to the idea that even if he's not dead, he, he's not really, he's not really mobile. He, he's behind the scenes. Um, he could have several stand-ins. If you know anything about celebrities worldwide or politicians worldwide, most of them have stand-ins. This is just a normal thing because when you go out in public, there are people that are going to assassinate you. So you're going to have people that take your place. Now, to say that Joe Biden has stand-ins that speak for him, that's a whole different level because now you're moving into to a level of they have to have actors that sound like him. Um, I'm not saying it's not possible at all, especially with some of the technology that we have out there now with deep fakes. I mean, these guys look look legit now. So and it's already been seen that some of these, quote unquote, Joe Biden at the White House, when they pan out, it's it's a uh, it's a stage. It's not even at the White House. You know, some of the stuff that's been seen over the past few years. So it could be that they're filming these in, in other locations. It could be actually him, but he's in these other locations because he can't, you know, operate around people. Um, Yeah, I think that it's a uh, what is it, Sean Woodrow Wilson? Yeah, I was just yeah, like Woodrow Wilson because you know his two point oh Woodrow. Yep, the last few years of his presidency, his wife took over 
the presidency for him. She actually kept him in a room where she told everybody that, you know, he's okay, but, you know, he's not feeling that well for two years almost. And she ran the country. She was actually the literal first lady, the first woman president um, the last two years of his presidency. So it could be something similar to that, because if you see the way Jill operates with him, the way she maneuvers him around, the way she talks for him when they're out, I, I it's very plausible to me. I could see it. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Certainly, she seems like the more uh, capable of the two. Uh, yeah. and, and you'd need a very skilled <laughs> actor to mimic his like fumbles and mannerisms. Like, <laughs> as bad as right. he is, like you couldn't like fake that. Like, I don't know how many people do a good Joe Biden impression because it's hard to originally come up with some of the weird stuff he says. You know, it's like he he just like really coming yeah he's coming from a place of like pure like strange like and i don't know how much you guys know about his background but uh my friend uh steven snyder podcaster uh goes by the name recluse he he recently took a little trip down to a place where joe biden's from or spent some time and it's very creepy very uh weird theories about this place in in delaware Hmm. have you heard about this no, no, I haven't actually. Yeah, there's a place in Pennsylvania and Delaware, one in Delaware uh, called Arden and another in Pennsylvania called Rose Valley, where allegedly the whole town is run by some sort of cult. And, uh, you know, a lot of prominent actors have gone and done work in the theater locally in, in the town. Keanu Reeves acted in his first play in the Rose hmm. Valley Theater. And, you know, he has a, a few weird uh, occurrences in his life that aren't talked about, though his girlfriend who mysteriously died and uh, also having a band called Dog Star, which many people haven't heard about. And obvious reference to Sirius, the Dog Star, right? So uh, there's a whole rabbit hole there. But, yeah, it's kind of creepy when you pair that knowledge with the fact that joe biden's like sniffing children in (laughs) Mm -hmm. videos in the white house or where we're told is the white house i mean for all we know he could be on some stage in in the in a dungeon somewhere and that's why he never does (laughs) you know videos out of the white house because he's got a freaking cave wall on the other side if you turn the camera (laughs) around you know I just no. think we should have voted for Hunter. You know what I mean? That, that's the stand-up dude right there. You know, that's the kind of guy I want running the country. That's all mm, I'm saying. Yeah, very bold, very brash. You know, <laughs> our founding fathers would have taken him in. <laughs> yeah, man. I will say though, I, mean, I, I probably would. I mean, besides all the weird pedo stuff that he might, if I didn't know that, I probably would have partied with him. I'm not gonna lie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's got a bankroll. If he's buying all the drinks, he's providing all the stuff. Not going to lie. You know, if, if he smoked, you know what I mean? I'm more of a smoker and a drinker. So if mm. he got stat on deck, you know, I might have been in trouble. You know what I mean? I might have been in one of those video cameras with him. I'm like, oh, man. like, <laughs> Oh, no. You heard it here first, folks. Go back and check the record. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, man. I'm with you. I think that, you know, it's, it's probably from what I've heard about the Bush family because they – Uh, went to school some of their children went to school near me uh, and the bushes actually went to school near me and uh, yeah there's a bunch of rumors of their partying days and 
I used to drink in a bar that allegedly George W. Bush did cocaine in the bathroom of. So, uh, yeah, not not that I could claim ever meeting him, but it definitely had that kind of wild, you know, feel to it, even while I was there 20, 30 years later. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, technically, you're president then, too. Like, that's how I look at it. I'd be like, if I was in the same place as the president, I am also the president. That's how it works, right? <laughs> Sadly, no. But, you know, I think Yale definitely puts off that oh yeah for yeah. sure <laughs> it definitely has that uh that highbrow appearance but yeah i think you know people are starting to wise up to the real situation for worse or for better i mean hopefully that leads to positive optimistic you know activism instead of like you know this apathetic sort of we're all doomed approach because you know, for a long time, the conspiracy community was full of people whose next paragraph after their conspiracy thesis would be like, and this is why you should go run off to the woods and live in a bunker and prepare for the apocalypse, right? I mean, it was very yeah. much like hand in hand, like this apocalypse notion that many cults and religions have used to sort of program people into doing things they probably wouldn't if they didn't think the world was about to end. So, you know, what, when it comes to that front, I mean, we've talked about the, the problems of the truth community. We talked about some of the villains, but when it, like when we're in this podcasting space, we have a benefit. You guys have probably heard from your audience like, dude, keep doing the show. We love it. You know, but what do you think the next step is? I mean, obviously everybody can't get on the mic and, and start a podcast. So like what, what are some positive changes that you guys hope to see uh, in this country, at least and from from the work we're doing on these podcasts? Drop the red team, blue team. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's still... We're the working class for 99% of us, whether you're doing a podcast or whether you're an entrepreneur, you're at a warehouse, you're a taxi driver, we could, the list goes on. We're all the working class and we need to stop dividing amongst each other. We're fighting each other for people that don't know our names, that do not care about us just so that they can. And I'm not saying that they're all nefarious. Like a lot of them have their own personal benefits that they want to get out of it. Stop playing the game. Let's get out of the game and let's do our own thing. We don't have to run into the woods because, come on, let's face it. A lot of us, when I make it, I'm not going to make it, man. I'm not going to make it in the woods, man. I'm going to be cold. I'm going to want heat. I'm going to want air conditioning in the summertime. And why the hell do we have all this technology if we're just going to let it waste? Right. Let's stop playing the game and start talking amongst each other and not get offended so much. Don't expect everybody to agree with you. It's actually really good for them not to agree with you. I learned something, you learned something, and it helps me grow. How am I gonna grow if we're constantly saying the same things to each other and validating each other like, yeah, you're right, yeah, you're right. I don't wanna be in the circle jerk. You know what I mean? I wanna be in something that is organically grassroots grown. And that's just by people, just talking to people, hold the door open for that person, say hello, go speak to your gas station clerk, crack some jokes to some random people and make their day. If you make people's day like that, I do it all the time. And I know people think, they go, you're crazy. That doesn't work. Okay, I get an average personality like that. But do, do something around your neighborhood then, you know, meet your neighbors, be cool with your neighbors, be cool with all these people you work with. There's no need for us to be miserable all the time. I see it. my boss, he's a cool dude. He's always miserable. Like when we come in on the weekend, I'm like, Hey, how's your weekend? So <laughs> my weekend, like he's already mad. And I'm like, man, I had a good right. weekend. Like, even if I didn't do anything crazy, like, you know, he went to Thanksgiving and I was like, Hey, how's Thanksgiving? <laughs> 
how was Thanksgiving? They said it started at three o'clock. Uh, I got there at two fifty. All the hors d'oeuvres were gone, and I was like, "All right, man, it's not the end of the world, man." Like, you know what I mean? So, but I kind of chip away at him, and I've seen him get better, right, over time, just being around me. So I'm like, you know what? I got to spread as much. I can't go everywhere, but I know that other people could do this too. And if more of us are just like, just being cool, stop dehumanizing each other over politics or over any trivial thing that we don't fully know. I don't know every. No, none of us know all about religion. None of us know if the world is round or flat. None of us know if if who's who's controlling the world. But we do know that I can treat you good, and you could treat me good. It's real simple, and I think it is happening more and more. And I think even in in the truther community, there is it has some of its flaws. But I think little by little we're turning over because in 2000, all we really had was like Alex Jones screaming at us. You know what I mean? Now there's a plethora of people that you can see, and they have re- some are really detailed, some are more fun. Some some have like, you know, esoteric stuff. You have a little bit of everything, you know, you could get into the cryptids, but let's have fun with it. Let's not let it consume us. Enjoy your life. You have a family, you have great friends and go meet new people. Yeah, I mean, to Sean's point, we disagree about a lot of stuff on the show, which makes for a good show because we don't agree with everything and it's fun. But we agree with a lot of stuff, too. But we have a lot of fun with it. And I think that's ultimately what you should do is have fun and quit idolizing people like we go off about this like why are we idolizing people to the point that we're getting mad and getting twitter fingers and going off at other people about people who don't give a shit about us like none of them do matter of fact if you saw kanye west or trump or biden or kamala or any of these people any of these hollywood actors or whatever and you saw them they would piss on you for the most part. They would kick you out of their party. They want no parts of you. You're not in their caste system. They want nothing to do with you. So why are we fighting each other over these people? It's mind blowing. Like, it's so funny to me, the right, if you make a joke about Trump, oh my God, some of them just oh, yeah. lose it. And it's like the, the same thing on the left. You make fun of Biden, whatever, like, well, at least he wasn't Trump. And, blah. and it's like, dude, Find the humor in it, at least like I don't care if you vote or not. I don't vote, but I don't care if you vote or not. But if you do, you got to at least be able to sit back and laugh at these candidates. I mean, come on, man. They're doing some really stupid shit. It's funny. Some of it's just hilarious. So to me, it's like quit idolizing these people, because if we stop idolizing these people and create a community between us, the, the working class, like Sean said, where we can connect with each other and see like, man this bullshit they're telling us is just a bunch of bullshit like why are we falling for it like this is funny like that's why sean and i laugh about stuff all the time because it is funny sometimes it's so ridiculous that it's it, it you gotta laugh at it you can't sit there and, and take some of this shit too seriously and to your point mark like you're right you've got all you've got religious cultures that beat down on you that the end of the world then you've got like all these other pockets these echo chambers are beating you down the end of the world look man I don't know when the end of the world is going to happen. It might not happen for another 30,000 years. We don't know. Now, should we prepare for things? Absolutely. I think there's ways that you can prepare yourself. You can, you can, uh, like we have really good friends of ours, uh, Billy and William from uh, Permafarm uh, Pastures. They have a great podcast. And what they do is they teach permafarm. They teach permafarming and it's how to farm, how to, how to, how to, uh, uh, how to, slaughter pigs they teach classes on all of this stuff they've actually created a system that other farmers are 
trying to learn from them because of how that they they're able to change the waste into food for the animals. And it's just this really cool system and to make money. And they do it with little with not a lot of overhead, too. Right. So they figure out a way to do it with low overhead. Mm. So we try to implement that in as well with what we're talking about on the podcast, because at the end of the day, you want to give people solutions too, not always screaming and ranting and raving all the time. You know, like, you know, if you got a little extra money, you know, hit up my Patriot supplier or something, get a little extra food that'll last for a while. I'm not plugging them by the way. I'm just saying in general, cause I do buy the product. Do stuff like that. Think for the future. There's things we can do. And look, man, we're we're not all wealthy. We all have a ton of money. Like there's people that are barely making it check to check. If you're that person, that's fine. There's small things that you can do to prepare yourself. Sometimes it's just connecting with your family, knowing that, you know what, there's some people that love me. You know, it's hard sometimes when the world's beating down on you to feel that way. But but if you look at close friends that reach out to you that try to help you there's a positive in everything and if we're sitting here and ranting and raving the world's ending all the time we're not going to get anywhere and we're going to give them the energy that they want that's what they want they want that negative energy to feed off of Mm, absolutely well said man yeah i i think that's a really great point to make especially what you said earlier about you know these idols that people are always giving their energy to you know whatever that whatever that means whether it's just through their phone or watching television or even having a conversation about the like trivial trivial things that you know someone else is doing that you've never (laughs) met before you know and and the Woodrow Wilson thing I've never heard that before I really appreciate you guys sharing that I want to look into that further but on the point of uh permaculture pastures do you guys have any other i mean you have plenty of interviews you've done on your show do you have any guests that you you know really um you know champion like people who have come on the show and like really knocked it out of the park people that you you've learned a lot from i mean i love eddie man eddie's dope man esoteric he's one of my favorites him and uh chaz chaz of the dead those are probably two i mean i'm not if i have to pick uh just because they blew my mind with some story, because Chaz could go on for, and he's like, could go on for all kinds of, you know, you get him on for one thing, and he's on until another, like, you're like, dang, man, you're pretty, uh, uh, you have a wide variety of range. You don't always think that, you know, when some people are a one tune, you know, you get them on and they're like, I can talk about this, but nothing else. Mm. And Eddie, man, Eddie just comes up with, uh, esoteric, uh, esoteric Eddie comes up with some great stuff, man. Mm. That whole Lucifer theory to me is great. I, I like he blew my mind, man. I was like, man, that was a dude. Like, you know what I mean? There's really a dude named Lucifer. Man, that's crazy, man. So, yeah, I would say those two are two that I really liked a lot that were on the show. I like them all, but those two stood out a lot. Yeah, I uh, Curbs of the Corn are phenomenal. Those guys are great. Uh, we're going to end up doing a lot of work next year with them. But they're also in that realm of farming and teaching people how to be self-sustainable. And I think that self-reliance stuff, they do a lot of these things, these self-reliance festivals that show people how to grow stuff. They're like, look, you might live in an apartment, but you have a space maybe on your patio that you could grow X amount of things and we'll Mm -hmm. show you how to do that. So there's all kinds of ways that you can do things, even with a limited budget, because back to Billy, he's like, listen, I can show you how to live off a hundred dollar 
budget week to week. He's like, and make it last for two weeks. It's wild. Like he can show you how to do it if you do it right. And we're talking about organically grown food. He's like, look, man, you can connect with your local farmers and buy it directly from them and yep. create a create a bond with them. So say something was to happen, right? We, we foresee the future and, we, and you know that's what we do in the podcast world. So just say one of these things happens where we got a food shortage or something like that. Well, if you're friends with your local farmer, he's going to work with you because you've worked with him and he's given you the best bang for your buck because you're not going through any of the stores to buy it. So you're not getting that overhead charge either. So there's all kinds of little things that you can do to help yourself uh, grow um, as a human being. And we try to have some of those people on there um, for sure. I'd say crypto is the corn. I love Eddie and, you know, just so everybody know, Eddie and I are working on a little secret project right now that we're going to be dropping some point next year through Merkle Media. So we'll we'll see how this goes. Uh, but yeah, Eddie and I are, are, are working on something. So we love Eddie. Like just just yeah. to piggyback off. A, but to a your point there. about uh, Billy, like one of the stories that I really like we talk about to feed his pigs, right? So he can sell his pigs in pretty much all profit. What he does to feed his pigs and all of his farm animals, they have a apple orchard not too far from where they live well a lot of apples fall on the ground right and you can't sell those apples so they talk to the guy and they go what if we pick up all these apples for you but i just keep them so now the farmers that that, the apple orchard guy is like oh cool i don't have to pay for somebody to pick this up and lose profit and then billy's happy because now he gets to feed all these healthy apples to his all his you know chickens and and his pigs for nothing for free you know what I mean? Now he found a way, a loophole that I'm not having to buy, go and buy grains and all this stuff that people think you have to do. There's ways around it. Like he went to a college and at this college, he was like, man, I thought I was going to go over there and pay for their compost. And they were like, we will pay you to take our compost. He's like, all right. So now he's not only getting the compost for his farm, he's getting a thousand dollars to take it. So. Wow. There's ways if you communicate with people and you're really good at communication mm. to find these little loopholes and not a law loophole, but a loophole, loophole of life. You know how they say, ah, oh, he doesn't know this hack. You know what I mean? That's what Billy, mm. that's what reminds <laughs> me of Billy. Like they're like, they don't know this hack. Yeah, I'll take all those apples. And he said that they don't even make a dent on those apples. He said, I can take like four truckloads for those apples. There's still tons of apples on the floor. Mm, that's really awesome. Yeah, I, I want people to reach out to the show if you have those kind of, uh, what do we call them, hot tips uh, on how to be sustainable, how to work out, you know, because everybody's got their own little thing. I mean, you, you think a place like where I'm from, Connecticut, it's all urban, suburban, but I've worked on a couple farms and, and I picked up a few things and and yeah, there's plenty of tricks. I don't have much space now other than windowsills, but I, I think I might try to to grow something on my windowsills at the very least when the weather changes. But when it comes to uh, the show, you guys mentioned several times. Well, at least Joel said this. Sean, I don't know how you feel about this, but Joel said, "Oh yeah, you know, we don't always agree on everything." And I'm wondering, like, where where have you guys come to a head on? Is there a certain topic where you're like, okay? I'm I'm adamant about this, you know. I mean, you guys are both musicians. I know you recently did uh, a, a episode about you know recent rapper passing. Like, is it musically that you guys come to a head? Like, where where do you guys disagree? Is there any topics that you're like, nah, I'm this way, or how does it go down? 
Cops. <laughs> that's not the only one, but I think that's a big one. Like we we have different views on the police. Mm. Uh, I'm not I don't like them. At, I mean, I've come to be OK with them, like especially younger years. And I know Joe used to, but he thinks a lot differently. But that's from our life experiences. Uh, but definitely that the police, we think a lot differently. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think he and I came up kind of the same way. We got in trouble with the law quite a bit. And we've both done some time, you know, in our past. But, you know, my sister's a, a cop and I watched her go through a lot being a cop and work her way up the chain. And, you know, she's a lieutenant now. And I watched a lot of her being a good cop. You know, I watched her you know, stop other guys that were in the uh, police force from doing things and crossing the line, you know, with somebody. So, you know, she would, you know, call me up about it all the time and her kids are mixed. So she always has mixed feelings about some of this stuff too, because uh, you know, she would say, yeah, some of this, you know, white on black, white cop on black stuff. She said it exists. She's like, it's there. I hear some of the guys talking about it, you know, and, and it bothers me. She said, now she would, she would tend to say a lot of times when these events happen, it's not always racially motivated though. It's more of a heightened, you know, sense of adrenaline. You're in this position. Somebody's wilding out. You don't know exactly what they're doing. And sometimes you're already on edge. And she said, she's had to jump in between, uh, some things going down also there's just some bad people out there too like you know they they hit a raid on some one percenters out in the middle of the woods uh you know uh cooking meth and you know she's part of the SWAT team and she was running lead on SWAT and you know these guys aren't great they're out there killing people they're not doing well and you know they got out of the whole thing without killing anybody which is great so you know that's smart i, I get sean's apprehension because of what he's gone through and i can say i this is classic sean right here i'm 50 50 man i'm 50 50 <laughs> on this so yeah i'm 50 50 on the cops like there are some awful cops and i've had some bad situations and i've seen it go down with the racially charged stuff you know especially in my past i mean you know me you know being in situations with black guys and shit, and shit pop it off and them, you know, treating people differently. Um, it, it does happen. You know, that that's not something that isn't true. But I've seen on the flip side, too, with like, you know, black cops, man, they can be they can while out on the opposite end, too. So it's it's a it's a complicated it's a complicated thing to go into. And I, mm. I'm not discrediting Sean how he feels about it at all. I would say when we say we butt heads and disagree, it's very mutual because we totally understand each other's point of view. Um, yeah. Anytime we disagree with something, we can sit there and talk about it. It's never heated. So it's always, you know, it's more fun than anything. I think we have more fun needling the other one sometimes if we know it's a situation to, <laughs> you know, make for good entertainment because we're going to get the other one going and then we'll get going and then it's just fun, you know? Absolutely. But but yeah. to me, man, like they always like, like, for instance, I just got a speeding ticket. I was going <laughs> 70 and 80. OK, like this is my thing, though. The guy, how did he approach me? I say, hey, how's it going? I'm, I'm being uh, respectful. Do you think he treated me like that? No, he was like he was the above. I don't like people that feel they're superior to me. I'm like, dude, you were speeding more than me. Everybody was passing me. I was like, every single person was passing me and he didn't listen to me. He didn't care. He just goes, I'm going to hook you up. You won't get any points. Yeah, I got to pay $180. You know what I mean? Like, it, and that's the thing is that I just feel that above. And people always go, well, you know, uh, there's one one rotten apple doesn't spoil the bunch. But like my brother says, if there's a spoiled apple in the bunch, I'm not buying that bunch. 
Like, right. If you see a spoiled apple in that bag, you're going to be like, ah, I'll get another one. Right. I, I just think that there's a, a lot of authority to it. I understand why people feel like that. I just, I'm more of an anarchist uh, mindset. I just think that uh, we can maintain ourselves. I don't, I don't call the cops. I, I see why people would, but I think we've gotten used to that and we haven't learned how to protect ourselves. They, they, they took away our, uh, us in school. This was way before my time, obviously, but they used to teach people how to use guns and how to be uh, uh, self-sufficient and, relying on the cops is just relying on the governments to me they're just the uh their uh bodyguards they're the government's uh, uh goon squad you know if something happens when they told us we had to wear masks who was enforcing it i know there was some cops that didn't but mostly they did and if it comes down to it 90 percent of them at the end of the day are going to do it and they'll weed out the ones that don't want them and i think people get too much ego and they feel like they're superior to you that they can do whatever they don't feel like they're uh uh, they don't feel like my taxes are paying for them. They don't feel like they're that I'm their boss. They feel like they they could tell me whatever they want. I've had cops tell me some crazy stuff. You know what I mean? They'll, or they'll just be like, huh, talk to the judge. They literally don't care. They're just like, yeah, this is what I do. You can't even get out of any of these situations. Now you can get out. Like people would say, well, you didn't die. I'm like, yeah, that's true. Like, but <laughs> I, I know now not to mouth off because I've mouthed off a lot. I've been tased, pepper ball, choked. I've been a little bit of everything in my younger days. Now I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah, you got to learn, right? That's how you grow. So I was like, ah, I probably shouldn't do that again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think it's, you know, it really comes down to your community, you know, because as Joel, you know, shares his perspective and you share your perspective, neither of you are, are false, you know, like you both are coming from a place of truth. And that's the tricky part when tr people try to speak like monolithically about it as like one single institution, which in a way, yeah, it kind of evolved out of a certain strain of, a, of an institution. But, you know, I've heard stories of people who live in like incorporated towns or and or unincorporated towns is what i meant to say and they have like you know a sheriff who's all on board with like conspiracy theories and they're like yes. yeah my sheriff he told us like covid was a joke and <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a brief moment to thank our sponsor, Flow Blend. I recently ordered three different varieties of Flow Blend. I got the Cherry Blast Formula One Cognitive Enhancement, as well as Grandpa's Coffee, uh, both the Stoked Blend and just the CBD Blend. And I gotta say, for folks out there like me who have their vices, Flow Blend is a great alternative not just to snooze, but also to smoking. That's right, if you're a smoker and you gotta kick that craving, replace your nasty habit with a cleaner one. That's right, Flow Blend is the way for you to get lost in the flow, folks. Get lost in the flow, no need to spit, no need to run outside for a smoke break. Life is good with Flow Blend. You just pack the lip, simple ingredients, quality tested and approved. You're not gonna have any of the nasty side effects that come along with regular snus. And uh, the Formula One blends have 
a buccal nootropic in them to enhance your clarity and drive. I have one in right now. It's not affecting how I'm talking, surprisingly. And it tastes great. I might even use these coffee uh, flavored flow blend packs to drink less coffee. I've been staying up way too late over the past few months and I've finally gotten myself back at a normal sleeping schedule, uh, sort of on my way to a normal sleeping schedule. And this is a helpful way to do that. Instead of drinking another uh, coffee in the afternoon, I'm gonna pack a flow blend and get stoked. With CBD, caffeine, L-theanine, and Siberian ginseng, and it's flavored like coffee too, so check that out. My favorite part is Flow Blend shipped in less than two days. That's right, I ordered it Thursday. Today's Saturday, it's already here. Flowblend.com or follow at Flowblend on social media. That's Flowblend.com. And use the promo code CRAZY at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's right, flowblend.com, promo code CRAZY, and get 20% off your order of Flowblend. Pack a lip and get lost in the flow. Let's get back to the show. But, you know, coming from the East Coast like I do, and Sean, I'm not sure where you're from, but it sounds like you're probably in a more urban area if you're dealing with cops like that. Maybe not. But uh, I was in California. Now I'm in uh, Michigan, but I was okay. from California. Yeah. Well, for, for my experience with the police, it's a whole spectrum. I mean, I think I've I have enough eloquence when I talk that I can kind of throw them off. But I unfortunately can hide the smell of my weed. (laughs) So that always got me into trouble. I've had ups and downs with it. So I understand like the the conflicts, you know, and and it makes me want to like live in a community where I can go and like call up my sheriff and be like, hey, I'm this guy. Like, who are you? And like, know that he's not a piece of shit and know that Mm. he's not has that doesn't have that sense of entitlement that you described that some police have or, or even that sense of like authority or supremacy. And, you know, I think that's really what it comes down to is like living in your community. And I mean, in some places, people can actually make a change and say, like, hey, our, you know, police force isn't helping the community. Maybe we need to change it. And I'm mm. definitely not someone who thinks we need to get rid of them altogether, but we definitely need to take a, a look at, like, where our drugs are actually coming from. Because I think more often than not, it's just a game of, like, checkers with these, you know, police and the drug runners. And, like, they're all doing the same thing. They're just, like, playing this game of checkers. Like, oh, the drug's go here oh now the drugs yeah. go here and oh no now the drugs go here and then like curiously oh the drugs went missing and it's like yeah okay why because there's fucking thousands of millions of dollars invested in this from you know very high up and yeah i think that needs and the to intelligence be agencies brought most uh, every drug into the united states of america right. and to your point mark i do totally agree i lived in one small town and we had one little sheriff that guy was awesome right you know like my brother and them were like kind of just shooting paintballs, guns around, you know, and he's a little brother, you know, kind of being little pests. He took them home. He didn't put them in jail and prosecute them. He goes, hey, man, I'm taking you to your house. And they got in trouble that I'm cool with. I think that they're like those small time. It's like this um, when they become corporate, like when you go to L.A. and it's just like a corporate mindset, like they don't care. You're a number. You know what I mean? How many tickets can I get? But it, when you have the smaller communities, I think those type of sheriffs, I am down with that kind of style where it's more 
Hey, I know everybody here. Ah, Fred's drunk again. Let's put him in the, you know what I mean? Let's put him in the tank, like a Mayberry scenario where you're like, mm-hmm. ah. and then they give him some, let's give him breakfast. It's a routine because you actually care about the uh, people that live in your community. I think that mm-hmm. some of these big, huge corporate cops, like, you know, the New York, LA, uh, big cities, they do not really care about their people. And I think that's the difference. So I do agree on your point with that. Mm, yeah. No, definitely. And and on the point of like crime and, and whatnot, it seems like rap has this overall message of crime in a lot of like more of the popular, at least now it's more popular ever since like the 90s at the gangster rap. And, you know, that's evolved into many different iterations. But I know we, we talked a little bit about this the last time we, we spoke. And I think I mentioned that like underground rap was kind of how I learned about a lot of the conspiracy theories that I later went and looked into. And, uh, you know, I really like the fact that you guys have this mentality and you bring it to your music. So what do you think about the, the rap scene today? I mean, we just had this guy take off who I don't, I have no clue what his music sounds like. I've never, and maybe I've heard a song of his, but I don't know him. I guess he, he passed away. Do you think there's any truth to the, the theories that say like, Oh, well, these are all ritualistic and like they're killing these famous rappers on purpose. I mean, like it seems like there's a death, kind of focus with the music so it, it doesn't seem that strange but what what are your thoughts on that as as musicians yourselves and rappers yeah um i'm gonna go way different than sean on this one so <laughs> we've actually talked about this stuff before so it's all cultic man they're they're doing it they're doing it 666 no seriously though but it, i do think that there's a lot of occultism to it absolutely mm. i mean when you look at just even the takeoff incident with the Migos and we're talking about Quavo, who's one of the other guys in the Migos. I mean, they had a music video like a month or two before and, you know, it actually mirrored what happened to him that night, which is so weird too. So this music video comes out and the the exact incident happens. Um, And there were so many occult numbers that were in the music video as well. If you look at uh, Quavo's album, not long before that incident happened too, uh, he was doing the above. So below on the album cover, Uh, they tend to find themselves in these occultic arenas. Now, Do I think it starts out that way with them? I don't know. Like maybe some of them are cultivated into that. I know there there are some that were. I know Jay-Z was heavily, heavily into the occult before he ever came out with Reasonable Doubt back in the 90s. Um, You know, he there's pictures of him with Freemasons and all that. And, you know, he's rocked, you know, do it thou wilt shirts, you know, in the past, you know, five to ten years. So. It's funny, though, with the occult angle in hip hop, it really didn't hit its stride until probably around like that 2008, 2010 range when all the whole Illuminati uh, angle started coming out. When people were looking at the videos and you'd see all the Baphomet symbolism and, you know, with the Kanye stuff and and Jay-Z and Beyonce and Rihanna, all that stuff was really hitting hard. And even in the pop realm, too, when you're talking about Lady Gaga and all this stuff, yet absolutely that is a a big angle and a part of it but and i will agree with sean with this too when you're creating that energy you're also bringing in this natural energy that's negative too when you're talking about drugs and 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 
prostitution and all of these negative things, when you're bringing that in that space, you're going to attract that into that space. So if you're talking about, yeah, you know, I've, I've got my Glock and it's in my lap and I've got, you know, these stacks and I've got this, 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 these drugs and you're rolling with those kind of people. Cause what's going to happen is you will, cause you got to promote an image. So to keep that image up, you got to surround yourself with those people, even if that that's not you at the core, you know, you know, a lot of these guys are, are, are you know, not necessarily the real deal. You know, they're just good artists and they're able to surround themselves with these people. What those people do is though, it's like a blackmail system. You know, you're paying for it. You're paying these guys to support this image. But what happens is those guys are the real deal. They catch themselves up and stuff. What happens? You get caught up in it now. So there's that part of it, too, where you're creating this negative energy, this violent nature around you that, listen, if you're around it, you might get popped. I mean, it's just it's just part of the situation. I totally am about the occult stuff, and I totally think that that's a huge part of it. But there's the other side of it, too, that's just you put yourself in the way, in harm's way, you're going to get get popped. Well, and, you know, before, Sean, you can comment. Let me just say this. I, I kind of tend to agree, Joel, and I, if, Sean, you disagree, I'd love to hear why. But one of the reasons that I kind of started to think this way is because I started to see a lot of overlaps with these gangs and secret society groups that came out of like the occult revival period of, you know, the late 19th century and kind of evolved into various different groups. And, you know, a lot of people don't recognize that there's like the whole Prince Hall Freemasonry, which is pretty much exclusively people who are black involved, you know, whether African-American or Caribbean, or I think they probably even allow people of indigenous blood in there. But, you know, Freemason I'm actually a Prince Hall Free Freemason, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. Well, then I guess it isn't exclusive, but I have heard that in some states. It's pretty exclusive, especially in the South. Okay. You don't see a right. lot. You'll see more overlap in the North. Uh, the um, <clears throat> what they call the mainstream Freemasons, which would be typically what you would consider in the South more white people. Um, Prince Hall is more black down South or just minorities. I wouldn't say just just black people. But up North, you're going to see way more overlap. The right. the lodges will interact with each other more now. Uh, down south, I'm, you know, I've seen where it's starting to open up on both ends of it now. So uh, I guess they're trying to catch up with the north and they're getting a lot of heat now. Uh, so, yeah, but uh, they do allow white people in. And I can say that just because, you know, I when I was actively in the Freemasons, um, you know, I was uh, I was actually Prince Hall. I was actually the first white guy to come through there in the hundred years that I had been uh, been around. Wow. So and and to be clear, you know, I'm not associating explicitly like a tie between Freemasons and gangs. I'm just saying like mm -hmm. there's this like I mean it could be there. I haven't I haven't seen it myself. It's there. There's okay. some of that there for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, and I, it's something that I suspected based on some other things that I looked into with like you know how freemason lodges tend to be like recruiting grounds for other more secret groups that you know maybe have their hands in certain illegal activities right so but anyways sean i want to give you a chance to comment <laughs> on this too before joel and i banter on about freemasonry <laughs> <laughs> i, I kind of see like i grew up on like gangster rap when i first started right mm. early 90s 
Uh, then I progressed into underground hip hop. I was big into like Jedi Mind, uh, Immortal Technique. Uh, 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 that's a, the main people. There was tons of them, right? Like Cage uh, Kennels, like he wasn't as political. But yeah, like the same as you, I learned a lot about conspiracies through music like and, and and the corruption of society i think a lot of this i think that there's there could be some of the occultic aspect i don't think it's as much as people think it is i think a lot of it is again planting the seed right it's new genics it's getting us to kill ourselves right it's it's easier for them to plant the seed into that brain of the person now you have gangster rap it's popularized and people are like oh the labels well now there's no not as many labels there's independent artists doing this people that are going and getting a camera and writing a song because it's popular so yeah maybe in the beginning it was some occultic and some uh conspiratorial things to bring it on like in the 90s and stuff like that to really lay it on thick but now it's just people following trends because i think that's how they do stuff they drop it down and they go let the people do it because then it's more organic and it's going to happen that way right. if they had their hand in every single little thing it's too controlled that we would find out a lot more you know i'm not mm -hmm. saying they don't have anything to do with any of these and i'm sure that the deeper you get i've not been into a I haven't been so deep into these, you know, people with deep pockets, how they're, you know, you hear their weird, like wide eyes, uh, what's it called that, uh, Kubrick, uh, wide eyes shut. What is it? Eyes, wide, like eyes shut. wide shut. Eyes wide shut. Yeah. You know, like I'm sure there's strange parties and I've heard of a few. I haven't been invited probably because they'll be like, man, these guys are going to talk about it to everybody. Like, I'm be like, that was so weird, bro. Dude, yeah, like, podcasters, you know, we don't get invited to the cool parties because <laughs> it's going to end up on a but podcast. But even before, because everybody knew that I'm going to, because before podcasting, that's why I started podcasting because I don't stop talking to people. Everybody, make, even my daughter makes fun of me. I'll be on the phone with her and she's like, oh, talking to the gas station guy again, huh? Yeah, just see those days, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's pretty cool, man. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you got the gift to gab. That's cool, man. Yeah. And well, I, my buddy Sam at the liquor store, man, is my guy right there. Hey, what's up, Sammy? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and to be clear, you know, we don't want to pick on rap because I just did an episode about Kurt Cobain. And, mm. you know, Kurt Cobain had some interesting things about him, obviously. You know, the story is that he killed himself. But, you know, when you really look at it, I don't know how far you guys have gone down this particular rabbit hole. But it seems like Courtney Love was a little bit more guilty than the mm -hmm. mainstream story. I think so. Yeah. And, and what's weird to bring that occult angle into it is that I think the year within like two years before or a year before he passed away, he did a song with William S. Burrow. For folks who don't know, he's like a sort of British poet, occultist, mystic. And, uh, you know, he had a bunch of weird writings with all kinds of hidden meaning in it. And Kurt Cobain went over and, and met him for some time. And William S. Burroughs actually outlived him, even though he was well into his like 80s and 90s, you know, at that time. And he commented saying like, oh, yes, that boy had a gray complexion and frowned for no reason at all. And it just it, the way he like... <laughs> played right into the narrative it felt to me like maybe that wasn't totally truthful like but then again i don't know will william burroughs enough to be like oh yeah he was up to something but it's just weird that you see that like a cult overlap right before this guy passes away and you know kurt had a bunch of ideas about 
the government and and you know was for a bunch of movements and was kind of politically active without being like kind of cliche about it like they understood like oh no we don't want to be a political band but like we do care about causes and i think mm-hmm. people were probably threatened by that like oh dude he's cool and he cares about things that are meaningful he's not just some druggie like you know because that, that tends to be like who they no offense to anyone who's who's going through you know addiction or anything i don't mean to derogatorize it but they have a track record of promoting people with addiction i mean you look at grateful dead i mean they had a freaking house acid dealer i'm sure they had a house heroin dealer at some point too because those guys all ended up pretty in, in bad shape you know so it just to me you know i really I love giving a platform to guys like you because you guys have music that's A, independent, B, from your heart, honest, and also you're looking from this vantage point that a lot of people come to this podcast from. So when you're listening to a podcast like this and then you go and change over to music and you're going to listen like Jay-Z or whoever is like really popular right now, it's like, what are you programming yourself with? You know, Mm -hmm. like get that out of your life. Listen to something like, Van Tesla, listen to what you guys are putting out, you know, because this is how we take back their power that they have over us with the Matrix and whether or not there's an occult influence or not, or just a straight up criminal influence. Like, uh, it, it, it seems more often than not that a lot of the subject matter of the music is just going, it's aiming for your lowest sensibilities, mm-hmm. like sex and, and, and hedonism, you know, it really is all it really amounts to. Absolutely. I do think it has a lot of occult, though. Like, I just don't think it's as much as what people, you know, they think every death is like, I just don't think everyone is. I think there's a very strong influence. I just think they choose who they will. Like, because obviously Jay-Z and Marino Bravovich, they're tight. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. there's obvious things out there. But like, even as you talked about Kurt Cobain, like he was really the existence, uh, not the beginning of the progressive movement, but mainstream the progressive movement of what progressivism is like wearing a dress and pushing like people don't realize a lot of that, that that whole era of what progressives are now in the Democratic Party is kind of started with that grunge era. Mm, yeah, he definitely had a, like a, a, a more left leaning perspective. And it, mm-hmm. it's interesting, like with this conspiracy community, like how the re- I love what you said about the red and the blue, because. You know, when I first got into this stuff through underground rap, a lot of those guys had the left-leaning perspective with their conspiracies. Mm. Like, they came at it from that angle, not so much, like, the more conservative, like, Waco kind of, like, freedom guys. Like, those guys, they weren't rapping, you know, but there were some rappers who would talk about that kind of stuff. So it took me a while to kind of, like, piece it all together and see, like, oh, there was, like, this 70s culture of, like, lefties who were all against the government. And then then those guys got into the government, became the bad guys in some (laughs) way. And then all these, like, you know, rebel guys got in, and then these war guys you know and it's a it's a really complicated you know affair so to boil it down to like oh it's it's only the left or it's only the right like we really can't get past that fast enough you know i I mean if people if people didn't see like an immediate like similarity between the bush years and the obama years like what do we expect from, you know, yeah. these two parties moving forward? And obviously, you know, what are we going to do about it as podcasters? But that's not the point. Like we have hundreds, thousands, you know, 
potentially more people listening to each episode we do. And I think that's really like where this is going to move forward, not politically, but educationally. Like if we have a group, a generation of people who are educated about this stuff, they're going to raise kids who are going to get into those positions with that mindset, you know, like, I don't know your guys' influences, but my grandfather you know, grew up in a rural situation in Canada. So I had that kind of like one slice of, of perspective growing up amongst the other perspectives. And it always kind of stuck with me like, oh, yeah, you know, like these people, they, they lived on a farm. They didn't have, you know, hand sanitizer. They didn't have like this like hypochondriac BS, you know, like it was just a more intuitive way of life that people who, especially people who live in cities have really kind of gravitated away from, unfortunately. I love that you guys mentioned the permaculture guys because that's, I mean, that's the quickest way that they get to us is through our diet, you know, and, and the poisons in our water and food. I mean, that that's something that if you're listening to a show like this and you're still going to, you know, McDonald's weekly or monthly or even yearly, like, you know, question that. Like, sure, it's, it's a nice, like, treat every now and then, but <laughs> think about it, you know? Yeah, you got to. You got to look at, you know, what your intake is, you know, water too. You brought up water. I'm a big proponent on water filtration. You know, even if it's just a tank that you can buy that you put water in and it filters fluoride out or, or all the other contaminants. People talk about fluoride, but there's so many other contaminants in tap water. Um, it's, it's unreal, you know, and all that stuff messes with your pineal gland. It messes with your brain where you're able to cognitively think through things. And that's kind of the point, right? That's why they did this. That's why they've, you know, put so much crap in our food. Um, it's to keep us in a perpetual state of just, you know, it's a fog. They want to keep us in a fog where we don't see what's in front of us. And I think it's important to look at all of those things and listen, if you got any McDonald's tonight, you know, we're not, we're not mad at you. Listen, like everybody, like you said, go have a treat if you want to. I'm not saying you got to live by some stringent, whatever, you know, unless you feel like you need to, too. But at the end of the day, I think that we need to start making steps forward instead of going backwards. And I think that any small thing you can do to move forwards, um, to create a better way for you and your family and the people around you and building community, um, even in the podcasting world, building a community with guys who want to see a better world. And I think that's what we should all be trying to do. You know, uh, I, I love meeting guys like yourself, Mark, that, that are on, in that space, in that headspace where you're trying to create um, a space for others to grow. And I think that's what we should all try to do. Are you going to ruffle some feathers along the way? Probably, but that's not your ultimate goal, right? Your ultimate goal is to lay seeds down and hope that they grow with somebody and hope they come back and say, you know, that thing you said two months ago, man, I saw something about that. It's kind of true. What else do you have? Then you hit them with lizard people, and then they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. But also, Joe, I, I liked what you showed me a while, and you could probably break it down better than me, but that 80% rule about, you know, like mm. when you showed me that, I thought that was a real good uh, analogy of how to live your life. And I don't know, you know it better than me. Yeah, I just saw this really cool thing. Uh, it's a guy, he, you know, I, I wouldn't consider him like a self-help guy so much. He's just showing other people like how he – you know, approaches life. And he said the 80% rule, quit 
driving yourself to go 100%. You know, you always hear, go, I got to go 100%. I got to go 100%. Got to go 100%. He said, approach everything at 80%. He said, that way, when you get into it, then you're reaching that extra 20 because you're going into it way more relaxed. You're not putting that undue pressure on yourself. He's like, because when you go into it with an 80% mindset, you're going to hit 100 because you're you're already pushing towards a goal. And I thought it was really cool. I was like, and man. And you're more focused and you're way not. More. And you're not overexerting yourself because a lot of times you ruin your headspace by thinking I have to go to 100 percent. And then that's when you stumble and you're so focused on trying to go past that. They've even said that like uh, sprinters, like they don't start out at 100 percent. They go to 80 percent the whole way and then they end up winning like my uh, Lewis was it? Uh, Carl Lewis was talking about Carl Lewis and how he just went 80 percent the whole way and he smoked everybody. Because the people burnt out in that first stretch of the race. They were trying to go 100 and they were focused on going to 100 instead of focusing on the real goal. And that 80% kind of clears your head and makes you kind of think more level-headed. Absolutely, yeah. I try to go 80% with this podcast for sure. You know, 100% 100 of the time, the guests knock it out of the park. And 80% of the time, I, I think I do a good job editing it. But, you know, there's a 20% that slips through that's always <laughs> room for improvement, you know, pushing us mm-hmm. pushing us forward. But on that note, you both have an excellent podcast, Kill the Mockingbird, but you're both musicians. So before we wrap up, could you plug, you know, where folks can go and tune into that? And then obviously all of those links will be in the description. But... I don't know if you had the chance to tune in. I, I like to use a lot of rap music in my show. You know, I have an intro that a guy named and his friend Neo put together. They they have a, a group called Destiny Lab. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, but I feel like you guys would link up and make a great like collab, whether it was on a podcast or whether it was musically related. They made the the intro to the show, and then I have an outro that I made by, or I asked a guy to make. His name is Halizna. He puts all his music out on this site called Free Music Archive. Really cool guy out of Pittsburgh. He put us a, a couple songs together that we've used on the show. And then last but not least, recently a dude named uh, Tao Shu reached out. That's his rap name. And he put together a song that I've been playing lately uh, as the outro. So I love to incorporate rap into the show. If you guys ever want to like throw something my way that you wouldn't mind playing on the podcast, that would be cool. But plug that because I know a lot of people come to my show and and uh, like agree with that taste and love rap and and you know we can relate on that for sure. So. Well, you could check it out, Sean Chris, S-E-A-N-C-H-R-I-S on all streaming platforms for music or Joel Thomas, J-O-E-L-T-H-O-M-A-S. Just spell it. I always spell Sean because people always like spell it wrong. Like they go S-H-A-W-N. I'm like, no. <laughs> and Van <laughs> Tesla 2 is just the most recent project. That's uh, uh, Joel Thomas and Quan Duke, which I'm also featured on that album. That's probably the most recent uh, but you can go to all those streaming uh, sites to really get our music. We're going to be putting out some other music. It's not all, all of our music is not truth or music. You know, we do do that too, but we kind of try to go all over the place. We don't like to be boxed in, whether it's on podcasting or music. We just express what we feel. I got a new single coming out uh, 
in the beginning of the year, uh, Bobby Bonilla. It is not going to be really conspiratorial. You know, it's a uh, it's a more of a you know, speaking to the people that talking because I'm not allowed to uh, comment back online no more because I got the last <laughs> account nuked. So I have to do it through music. So I at least it could be a benefit. <laughs> oh, man, I love that. Right on. Right on. That'll- and uh, as far as the podcast goes, uh, Kill the Mockingbirds, you can find us on any platform, uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, Podcast 2.0, which Sean would get mad at me if I didn't mention that. <laughs> um, you can find us on Instagram, which is our main hub, Kill the Mockingbirds podcast, at Kill the Mockingbirds podcast. You can find me at Van Tesla Music, and you can find Sean at Sean Chris music. Uh, any of our link trees, the same thing. Uh, link tree slash kill the mockingbirds or link tree slash Van Tesla music. Right on. Well, thank you both for joining me. Audience, please go support these two. Obviously, you made it this far, so sign up. They're on the same app. Wherever you listen to this, I'm sure you'll find their show too. And if you listen to the show on Spotify, go over and, and listen to the music right now. Uh, until next time. Enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into this episode of the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. Big shout out to Kill the Mockingbird, a podcast hosted by today's guests. You can listen to them wherever you listen to this podcast. Be sure to go follow them on Instagram. We had in touch via Instagram and Tony Merkel hooked it up tony's the friend that just keeps on giving the gift that keeps on giving he hooked us up with our last guest appalachian intelligence appalachian intelligence rather and of course he introduced me to joel and sean uh, a while ago so uh, thank you tony if you folks don't know who tony is he's the man behind merkel media which hosts numerous top-ranked podcasts including his very own flagship podcast the confessionals so uh, you can listen to the confessionals you can listen to appalachian intelligence and of course you gotta listen to kill the mockingbird and how could you not add this one to your lineup sean and joel certainly made a good case for themselves during this episode i am not uh one of these topical podcast kind of guys But Sean and Joel certainly keep their finger on the pulse of what's going on. Uh, But I think I need to start keeping up a little bit more. So we'll see. Uh, This episode definitely was one of those challenging interviews where, you know, I'm not as versed in the subject as maybe others. Uh, I also tried to steer it into directions that I was versed in, uh, as I usually do. So uh, anyways, Sean, Joel shout out to you they're also rappers uh and they also have music out on spotify under their own names so you can look up sean chris or you can look up joel thomas on spotify uh, wherever you listen to music i think they're also on a few other platforms but i've heard them uh, myself on spotify that's where i listen to a lot of music and uh yeah it's really cool to see new generations of uh, rappers with their minds in these realms this was a big way that i woke up to uh what was going on listening to groups like army of the pharaohs jedi mind tricks rappers like immortal technique and uh dead prez with uh 
you know, Stickman. There's so many uh, rappers that I've really learned a lot from and um, hopefully have more on this show. We'll see. Um, (laughs) I was in talks with someone that works with cannabis and uh, he was sort of open to the idea of coming on the show, but he is such a legend. I don't blame him for uh, being apprehensive to make this podcast his first podcast venture. Uh, There's bigger conspiracy podcasts, I guess. Uh, But anyways, yeah, we'll see. I don't think he's done any podcast interviews like that, so maybe it's just not his style. Uh, But either way, fingers crossed, maybe we can get bus on this show. Uh, Anyways... Shout out to all of our supporters on the Patreon, all of our new supporters on Substack, we got a few of them, and all of our <clears throat> supporters on Rockfin. Thank you so much. You keep this show going and growing and flowing, and so do our lovely sponsors, uh, the HitKit, HitKit.us. HitKit was kind enough to send me a new HitKit today, a custom HitKit with the uh, logo or the seal of the colony of New Haven right on the side of it on both sides front and back and you can custom order your own hit kit at hitkit.us and whatever you want whatever you want to get laser etched onto your hit kit uh, there's multiple different varieties of hit kits this one is kind of neat it has uh, this sort of rubber band that keeps it together and the lighter inside you got enough room for three or four joints in there some blunts uh, but it's a really really neat device like i always say get lit get yourself a hit kit we also have our scene editions one and two available on the ko-fi store uh, all of these links are in the description you can go into the description of this episode and find a link to hit kit you can also find the link to scene edition one and two uh, i also have a book called the bibliomancy and of course support our friend juan uh, his occult monday series occultist monday series uh, is available for purchase as well through Ko-Fi on his Ko-Fi store. Uh, but as for me, folks, I'm tuning out. I'm signing off. It's Friday night. I'm going to get some rest and have a great weekend. I hope you do too. Uh, I hope we have a great moment wherever you are, whenever this reaches you, uh, whether it's this week when this episode releases or in the future. Who knows? I'm Mystic Mark. Thank you for listening and immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now. in church learning Jesus but the questions that he had they gave no reasons just told him to have faith or he's a heathen but he just fell to pieces now he out of school he on his own away from everybody with a cross a corresponding road professors at his college give him answers to the thoughts he couldn't get when he was growing up all these religions and he's told they come from some earth and now he feels confused he don't know what to do and now he's looking for an outlet for his battery for his soul but the ghost are waiting for him of crowley and the finally power on the way yeah he loves the wave but 
Shells at Kroger Lights up a marble red fresh cup of Folgers The weight of the world on its shoulders Surrounded by woke vultures Pushing pronouns and cancel culture Anonymous chat boards got them feeling bolder John Doe and Liz becoming a digital soldier Cognitive infiltration, false idol enclosure Algorithm warfare, fabricated disclosure Conquering divide turns families into foe Placing politicians on an elitist plateau Instead of finding solutions, he just sitting at home Bucket of popcorn, claiming he watching the show They got the lights on, they want a reason Treasure 